Okay, let me show you something. <clears throat> okay, you know what? Do you remember me, kid? This coffee cup right here, think of it as the space-time continuum. Whenever you go back in time, it breaks. Not real. I mean, you can reset the timeline. You can try to fix it. But no matter how hard you try, it's never going to be exactly how it was. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. This is episode 22 of season 3, or... Or this is chapter 11 of book 4. Why do you keep mixing up the way we do the intro? You're just... It's like a test. (laughs) Sorry, it's not on purpose. It's more me not remembering how the setup's supposed to go. Yeah, a likely story. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) So, this is episode 22 of season 3, There's No Place Like Home. And it's the final episode of season three and part two of the two-parter where Emma goes back in time to fix her parent issues. Yeah, we got a little self-contained time travel story at the end of the uh, season. Is it self-contained? I mean... Well, it's two episodes. So yeah. It's like a little mini arc, which I wish that they had just done this instead. Kind of just had multiple arcs per season that were a lot smaller. I mean, they already kind of did that with the splitting in two, but this showed that they could do it even smaller Look, a show that is so unconcerned with its own continuity doesn't need to have such long arcs, you know? A show that cares so little and yet is also weirdly obsessed with its own continuity. It's very strange. It's it's like Once Upon a Time was a show created to be talked about. Convenient for us. Yeah. So, I don't know what I'm going to say because I had my, had my little purple notebook in front of me and... I took zero notes for this episode, not because I didn't have time or because I was watching the episode while I was watching something else, but at no point did something happen that I felt needed to be written down. So I don't know what I'm going to say when we go over this episode. Huh. Yep. Uncharted territory, literally. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll just jump in. So to catch you guys up real briefly... Emma and Hook fell into the Skybeam time portal that Zelina's death set off because reasons. And when they fell through it, Emma was thinking about how she never got to grow up with her parents the way she was supposed to and about the moment that her parents met. So when they fell through the time portal, that's where they ended up because that's how time portals work. And in a very back to the future moment, she disrupted her parents' first meeting. So she had to go through a whole bunch of hoopla to get her parents even vaguely towards the scenario. She's trying to get her mom to steal the ring she stole in uh, Snow's first encounter with David. And this has led to making a deal with the Dark One and not really making a deal even, just getting the Dark One to help her out as she infiltrated a ball. Well, she gets the Dark One to help her out because... She tells him that she's from the future and that he is eventually reunited with his son, so he should want to help her out. And he's helping her out by trying to get the fairy godmother's wand that he stole way back in season one to recreate the magic that was used to send her through the portal in the first place. Mm. You say that she's trying really hard at the Under the Sea dance to get her parents back together. And This is actually a dance for David and Catherine's engagement, or Abigail, Abigail's engagement. Right. Um, but this seems to follow time travel rules from Lost, which is that the timeline wants, which makes sense because it's from the creators of Lost, and those rules say that the timeline wants to be the shape it is. So even if you go back in time and change things, the timeline will heal itself. It will correct itself so that it kind of ends up back in the same path that it was on before. Now, they don't say that out loud because if they did, there'd be no reason for this episode to exist, but that does seem to be what's happening. And it's sort of ignoring the fact that the ring that she's trying to get Mary Margaret to steal, the ring that David has, is a magic ring that connects you to your true love. So so she didn't need to do shit. It would bring David to Mary Margaret regardless. Yeah. This is another storyline where they could have literally done nothing. But instead, she disguised herself as Princess Leia, and she and Hook infiltrated the uh, ball. 
where she immediately pissed off Regina and got thrown in jail. Yep, that is that is accurate. That's what happened. Next to a mysterious lady who won't tell us her name, but who we met earlier and might be plot significant somehow. So the episode in this time, this time travel episode actually opens with the flashback, which they frequently do in the show. But I don't know. In a time travel episode, maybe don't open with the flashback. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. We've got Glasses Emma. Remember. Glasses Emma, who's only 17. Glasses Emma, who's only 17, as opposed to non-glasses, different actress Emma, who was 16 last episode. Right. And also not to be confused with non-glasses, regular Emma, who's in her 30s. Mm. Or late 20s. No, she's, because it's been 10 years since she gave birth to Henry, so she's 28, 29 now. Yes. Yeah. Also, the Chiron tells us that they are in Portland in 2001. We quibbled about this a lot last time we dealt with Emma's ill-spent adolescence, so we won't bore you again with how much this is not shot in Portland, but that's okay. Yeah, even now, like, I argued that it might be the warehouse district. It's not. It's definitely, that's definitely not the warehouse district. But Neil asked her to meet him for a drink, and she's disappointed to find them at some skeezy docks. Where he teaches her how to pick locks because that might be plot significant later. I mean, it's not really. Emma was a thief and then a bounty hunter. Of course she knows how to pick locks. We didn't need a flashback to tell us how she learned to pick locks. Although, I mean, it's really about how much she cares about Neil or whatever. Is it just me or does the actor actually look younger here? I think it's just you. He didn't actually look younger to me. I feel like he lost some weight and maybe made friends with the makeup department some more. (laughs) Maybe. Emma definitely doesn't look younger. No. Which is fine. She she's she looks fine, but she does not look 17. Well, as they said on 30 Rock, nothing looks older than someone trying to look young. And the Peggy Hill thing doesn't help. The glasses that are supposed to hide the crow's feet around your eyes. Mm. Well, she doesn't actually have crow's feet around her eyes. So it just makes her look like she's going for this weird librarian aesthetic because yeah. she's also got a ponytail, so I mean, I think she's going for a young hipster aesthetic. And she's also wearing, like, a schoolgirl skirt. It's, you know what? It's not a good look. And it's it's, it's very Supergirl's alter ego. The show does the same thing with Emma that it does with Regina when it tries to age her down. And it's like, no, don't, don't, don't do that. But they do anyway. I guess, I guess this is where we have a suspension of disbelief. I will just accept that this is what 17-year-old Emma looked like. So since Emma is, of course, a literal child, Neil takes her to an amusement park. Yes, an empty, shut-down amusement park, which he apparently has the ability to operate. You'd think Emma would have negative connotations associated with amusement parks, given what happened to her with, you know, next season's Big Bad in an amusement park, we find out. All those memories were erased from her. You're right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But Neil puts Emma in the best ride, the Flying Swings. The Flying Swings is the best ride at an amusement park. Mm. I like thrill rides, so I prefer roller coasters at, like, amusement parks. But they're really at, like, a fair. You don't want to get on a roller coaster that's just, like, tent-pulled to the ground. Oh, see, you're from Florida, so you have, like, theme park experience. It's true. I grew up three hours from Universal Studios. Uh, I mean, three hours away from Disney, too, but Disney doesn't actually have good roller coasters. Space Mountain, sure, but for the most part, no. For the most part, you're wanting to go to Universal, where you can... Well, used to be Islands of Adventure had Dueling Dragons, which is now part of Harry Potter World, so... uh, But Universal Islands of Adventure had the Hulk, which is amazing. Seriously, the Hulk is, like, the best roller coaster. Uh, Tell me when they have a She-Hulk. Well, the She-Hulk wouldn't be as good a roller coaster because, see, it's universal, so the roller coasters have plots, Mm -hmm. and She-Hulk is in control of her transformation, so it wouldn't make sense to have a roller coaster that throws you around. Like, the She-Hulk ride would be, I mean, I'd be down with the She-Hulk ride because it would be... Smooth loops, right? Well, okay, so it would actually be one of the rides where they take you through on the where they take you through the different scenes, and it would just be a lot of like legal research, and then sex with inappropriate dudes, and then like one really intense robot fight. That would be the She-Hulk ride. So it's basically Ally McBeal. Yeah, except with legal research. 
Anyway, back to what's fun a time. Emma is having fun on uh, the swings talking about shared childhood trauma with Neil. Yeah, she wants to know his backstory, and he's like, oh, well... I'm from a not fairy tale land where my father wasn't the dark one. Yeah, my dad is Rumpelstiltskin. I mean, Thomas Rumpelstiltskin. It's very, very thinly veiled. I mean, it, we we know what's up, and I'm sure it's actually not suspicious because a guy who lives in his Volkswagen Beetle and commits crimes for a living and dates a 17-year-old not wanting to talk about his past is, like, the opposite of suspicious. But he talks about how, you know, he left a screwed-up situation, mother dead, father... Turned into the dark one. Father used to be a good guy, but then he changed. Did he, though? Was he a good guy? I don't feel like he ever was a good guy. You know what? He's one of these guys who's like, oh, I'm a nice guy. I'm a good guy. And it's like, no, you're not any of those things. You have no positive characteristics. It's just your lack of outright malice is making you decide you default to good guy. You don't default to good guy. You have to do good. Well, I mean, he did become the dark one to stop his son from dying okay. in the Ogre War. Yeah, that's true. He did. Whatever. I mean, it's mostly bare minimum raised his kid stuff before that. but So, I was going to say back in the present, but back in the present in the past, because the flashback takes place in 2001, and the present story takes place in the past, because time before travel. <laughs> I love time travel so much. Anyway, in the main story. Luckily, Emma's been to prison before, so she's not really having a hard time with this. Although she has a weirdly hard time remembering her code name. She always pauses before saying Leia. My name's Leia. Which is suspicious, since we're talking about things that are suspicious, but I guess if you're thrown in prison, you don't want to give your name. As evidenced by the woman she's with, who does not give her name. She says that she needs to keep it secret. This is the same actress, right? We should have looked this up beforehand, but we should know who this is because it's the same actress as it was before. I don't think it is the same actress that it was before. Let's look it up. Is it the same actress? So this actually is, yeah, so this is the same actress that we saw the last time we saw this character, even though we only got a glimpse of her. Yeah, we only got a glimpse of her. And the actor she was, uh, the character she was married to had a different actor. It seems very strange to me that they would have shown her for a split second and then decided, like, did they know they were going to bring her back? And that's why they cast a woman that, you know, they trusted enough to pull off the character for, you know, the next season. Well, the bigger question is why would they do that and then lose the actor who played her husband a significantly more important character to the story. You can lose actors for all sorts of reasons. That part doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is that in what was essentially an extra role, they cast the woman they wanted to play this character going forward. But so, well, good on them for not recasting her. Why are we being so coy about who she is? It's like revealed at the end of the episode. It's made Marion. I think we're being coy because it is a genuinely revealing reveal it is a good reveal to go off on something this show is not good at doing something this show does not tend to understand how to do but yeah it's made marion um just you know her prison talk she's like oh so how long are you supposed to be in here which i heard you're not supposed to ask people in prison but uh. and made marion says oh i'm gonna be here one day so are you and it was like oh wow regina's kind of a soft touch and Maid Marion's like, no, we're going to be executed. I'm like, why are you being coy about that? Well, I mean, she was just, she just didn't want to say out loud, we're going to die. She thought it was understood. She didn't know she needed to say out loud, we're going to die. I feel like it's a good thing to assume that you need to say that. Really? Emma really clearly does not understand the situation. The evil queen has captured you. You're gonna die. Full stop. End of story. Except not. We come back from the title card to the scene where Snow White is captured by Prince Charming after she's stolen his ring, which we all saw back in season one. Like I said, the timeline wants to go in the direction it wants to go in, and so it corrects itself. Yeah, we have the exact same scene. Emma didn't need to go through any of this. 
Snow sarcastically calls him charming. He says, I will always find you, but, you know. But in a creepy way, because he has her captured in a net. He put, this is literally the exact same scene. You think they reshot it, or? No, I think they're using the footage from season one. You know what? This is actually, I love time travel stories, but you know what I hate? Reused footage. Clip shows. They tricked me into loving a clip show. Maybe that's why I had nothing to write down when I was taking notes. It's just the scene from season one. Except. Except now Hook is here. Like, to make sure things stay on track. Because nothing facilitates a meet-cute like a random guy showing up. Yep, because it's going to be jailbreak time. Yep, he needs to get them. He needs to get them to help him break Emma out of prison. Now, luckily, Snow isn't actually that good of a bandit because she immediately dropped the ring. But luckily, Emma while attempting to stop our favorite character, the ironic archer, from killing Mary Margaret, she tackled him and landed on top of the ring. So, as they're riding to Regina's castle, we have a bunch of Catwoman and Batman-esque flirty enemy dialogue. Between, banter? Yeah, the word you want is banter. Banter between uh, Charming and Snow, and he's all like, I thought you weren't into jewelry, and she's like, I'm not like other girls. This is a weapon. And the weapon, of course, is what we saw in season one, where she has the dark fairy dust. Otherwise, no fairy dust, because fairies are evil. Well, I, I was just about to say, are there are there dark uh, fairy mines where dark dwarves mine darkly? Like, Yeah. Anyway, it's the dark fairy dust that turns you into a bug so that you can be crushed, that she plans to use on Regina. But, of course, in the prime timeline, she ends up using on the trolls that have captured Charming. So David and Hook go into the woods to have man talk. Yeah, like they do. It turns out that Regina's castle is more than half a day's ride away. <gasps> I know, right? Shocker. So they have to stop for the night, and David gets a chance to bear his soul to Hook. Oh, yeah, this is all. There's so many emotions, so many man emotions in this. So the weird thing is, Hook is all like, you're going to marry a woman you don't love, and... David's like, yeah, I'm a prince. That's, like, literally what we're supposed to do. I have one job. Actually, I have two jobs. Kill dragons and marry princesses. That's it. And David's like, why? Do you actually love Princess Leia? And he's like, yeah, but she's kind of eh about me. Like, And her dad is a huge dick who hates me. <laughs> Fun with time travel. Yeah, but I love time travel jokes. And David's all, I can't believe her father hates you. You're such a... Smart, handsome, good-looking guy. And Hook's like, I need you to remember that in the future. Is yeah. David not supposed to like Hook? Because, I mean, he's vaguely antagonistic to him, but it never really comes off like he actually dislikes him. I think it. I, I think it's the creepy father thing, where the fathers are like, oh no, I have to defend my daughter's honor, even though that's gross and misogynistic. Okay, but the thing is... He treats Hook the exact w same way he treated Snow when she was a bandit. Okay, there's also some moral hypocrisy going on. Because as we know, David is not exactly pure. And yet he gets to go around acting like he has the moral high ground over everyone. Even Hook, who has done like nothing wrong as long as you pretend that Belle doesn't exist. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's just that they're all flawed characters to just... The delineation between good guy and bad guy in this show is so fucking arbitrary. I mean, what's David really done other than murder a whole bunch of people and baby death pit? I... Oh, and uh, the time he wouldn't marry Catherine even though it would save the country from financial destitution just because he wanted to bone snow. Also, he just recently cursed the entire kingdom again for no reason. He's fine. David's a great guy. If you put all that aside. But they get approached by Ruby. Yeah, Ruby's back. I mean, she was back last week, just to remind us that she existed so that she could come back now as Little Red Riding Hood. It's strange that Hook pulls a sword on her. Because he knows her. Like, they had a conversation in the diner at the beginning of last episode. That is super strange. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Hook knows who Ruby is from Storybrooke. Why is he so freaked out? Shrug emoji. Yep. Anyway, uh, she says that she's going to help them. 
with 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 her i have a special set of skills is it weird that we blame david for killing a bunch of people but ruby eats so many people in the show and it's like eh eh no, you know, it's because Ruby doesn't pretend that she's morally superior. That's what it is. It's it's speaking from a place of privilege where you get to pretend you're morally superior, even though, you're you know, not. you're not. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in the prison cell, Emma and Maid Marian are also having their weird relationship talk so that we can get caught up on where everyone is emotionally speaking. They're lady bonding. Emma says about the ring, I guess you could call it my parents' wedding ring. It's, that's what it is. I don't, I guess you could call it that. That's literally what it is. I guess maybe because it's not that yet because of time travel. But Emma talks about how, how I guess she's not going to New York if she ever gets back to the uh, prime timeline because she misses her family a whole bunch. Well, and her discussion with Maid Marian teaches her that home is the place where you miss it when you're gone. Home is the people that you miss when you're away from them. Neil also brought, we didn't mention it earlier, but Neil also brought this up when uh, he talked about running away from his abusive home. Which really means that Emma should have known this now since she heard it back in 2001. But whatever, she's having her little revelation moment now. Yeah, now that she's not surrounded by Mary, Margaret, and David, she misses them. That's because you immediately forgot what being around them was like. It's so true. Anyway, she, she finds a piece of wire, and I guess remembering... The words of wisdom that Neil said to her back in 2001. It's all about the tumblers. How has that not been gift on Tumblr like a million times? I've never seen that gift. Anyway, it reminded her that he also taught her how to pick locks. And so she picks the lock. I'm surprised this didn't go in a friend's uh, scenario where she takes the underwire out of her bra to, uh, instead of just finding a random piece of wire on the ground. Emma's not wearing a bra. Emma is wearing a corset. It's almost certain that she is not wearing a bra underneath that corset because it's very difficult to wear an underwire bra underneath a corset. And the structure of a corset is provided by boning, which is often, in fact, made out of wire, but since this is traditional fake medieval land, is probably made out of actual whale bones. So, <laughs> is Emma's bra just lying around somewhere in the Enchanted Forest then? Yes. Emma's bra and her leather jacket are lying around the Enchanted Forest somewhere. I think that'll alter the timeline. That, yes. That's, yes. Yes, someone will will discover underwire technology. That'll be the death of magic. (laughs) So back at the entrance to the dungeon, Hook and David are with Ruby, who's now in her wolf form, to, you know, get past the guards and sniff out where Snow White is. And she definitely just ate a bunch of guards. She did. And you know what? I was going to say for no reason, because hilariously, as they're walking through the tunnel, Emma and Maid Marian show up on the other side because they don't need no man to break them out of prison. But they would have encountered the guards on their way out. So they don't need no man to break them out of prison. But having a wolf is super handy. Mm. So Hook's really pissed that Emma saved... uh... Made Marion, because he's like, What about the timeline? I thought we weren't supposed to disrupt the timeline. Well, you weren't worrying about that when Ruby ate all those guards, but... Yeah, they probably had descendants. Not anymore. Anyway, Snow has used the distraction of the wolf eating all those guards to sneak into Regina's bedchamber, where she's staring at an apple for dramatic reasons. It's because Regina's setting a scene. She knows that Snow is sneaking up on her, so she's posing in front of a mirror looking at an apple. In an amazing outfit. It's pretty awesome. Is it the one we saw before, the snowflake collar one? It is. It's the same one we saw before. The black velvet cloak with the crystal snowflakes around the collar. I love Regina in this scene, too, because she's like, she's just looking at the uh, apple as snow sneaking up on her, and she says, boy, it sure would be stupid if someone was trying to sneak up on someone staring into a mirror. (laughs) God, I love Regina so much. Anyway, Snow's like, bitch, I'm here and I have some dark fairy dust. And I'm going to turn you into a bug and then I'm going to step on you. And Regina says, I'm the villain. I'm the one who should be caught up monologuing. And yet here you are being dumb. She bamps the powder away when Snow tries to throw it at her and sad trombone noise. That's the end of that plan. (laughs) Yeah, she's all, boy, didn't really think this one through, did you? Yep. 
telekinesis. It's like magic 101. And we have a, like, Regina calls for her guards and they drag Snow off. And Snow's like, I didn't mean to cause Daniel to leave you by telling your mother. And Regina's like, I can't believe you don't know that he's dead. Like, you're not a child anymore, you dumb... Oh, whatever. Whatever. And Snow tells her, Snow, as she's being dragged off, Snow's like, the kingdom will never be yours. And Regina's all, yeah, whatever. Sure looks like mine from here. Yeah, and let's see if you ever end up rolling anything ever again. Let's see how terrible you are at it when you do. Spoiler alert, I guess. I mean, not really. Snow's a terrible leader. That's not a spoiler alert. This scene does kind of call some things into question, because Regina has her strapped to a pyre, uh, conveniently where Emma and David and Hook and Maid Marian can see. She immediately drags her outstairs to where a pyre is set up. And, I mean, is your question who set that up? No, my question is because she's going to burn Mary Margaret to death. And I'm like, okay, I thought you wanted to make her miserable. If you wanted Burning to... Burning to death is miserable. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to kill her, you had so many opportunities. Honestly, if what she really wanted to do was torture Mary Margaret, she should have killed David. We've discussed this at length. Although Mary Margaret didn't know David at this point. Oh, it's true. At this point, they're not together. So, like, I get a lot of Regina's actions if she just wants Mary Margaret to suffer, if she doesn't want to kill her. Here she's burning her to death with fire. Okay, so here's what I would do if I was Regina. I would pretend to befriend Snow. I would pretend to forgive her. I would very publicly forgive her. And then I would invite her back into my castle, and then we would go back to doing the sister thing, like where they were practically sisters. And then I would wait for her to be comfortable and in love and and happy, and then I would kill David. Like, the problem is Regina has no patience. Really, mm. that's the problem. If you really want to torture someone, you have to be willing to pretend to be their friend for decades. That's just all there is to it. I guess her thing is impulses, like is being impulsive, which kind of explains why she's like, okay, I guess I'm just going to burn you to death. Yeah. Unlike Rumpelstiltskin, Regina could never have a plan that took centuries to enact. Anyway. Yeah. So she's burning Snow White at the stake. Yeah. Snow goes up real quick. Yeah. That fire, that fire. Yeah. That fire is very uh, all encompassing. And as you say, Hook and Hook and Emma and David are watching from the window well, Snow is immolated. Oh, and Ruby, because we hear a wolf howl. Yeah, but she's not watching from the window. She's presumably somewhere else. And Emma's really sad because her mother's dead, and also now she probably won't ever exist. Anyway, Emma and Hook are having a heartfelt moment, and... Everyone's having a sad because Mary Margaret is dead. But especially Emma and Hook, because this means that Emma is super not going to be born. Yep. And she's all... I Except didn't... she realizes that... If she's never born, she wouldn't be here now, so there must be a trick. Either that or, you know, divergent timelines. It's a thing. It is a thing. It's true. I know we referenced it so much, I just keep wanting to go to the Future Man thing. Time travel is bullshit and nobody knows anything. I mean, that is accurate. No, I. it's true. Like, this is... I mean... It's possible that Emma could still exist even though her parents never met and never got together. And that all she's done is create an alternate timeline where... Mary Margaret's dead and the parents didn't get together. And Biff Tannen is in charge. Okay, I think what we need to do is come up with time travel. Go back in time and prevent someone from giving Donald Trump the sports almanac. Has anyone tried that? But anyway... Uh... So Emma- wait, 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 I often, I often praise Back to the Future because the time travel is near perfect, but this is actually an instance where the time travel in Back to the Future is wrong because Marty creates divergent timelines when he time travels, which should mean that when he prevents his parents from meeting, he doesn't fade out of time. He should continue to exist because he's already created a divergent timeline. It's just that he doesn't exist in this timeline. So in his original timeline, he just disappeared forever then. Oh, yeah. So this is my theory about time travel in reality. Mm -hmm. My theory about time travel in reality is that it exists, but that we are the prime timeline. So that 
whenever anyone does travel in time, it doesn't affect our timeline. So it's impossible to discover time travel because anyone who does creates... Disappears forever. Yes. And creates a divergent timeline. Yeah. Tracks. Yeah. I spend a lot of time thinking about time travel. See, I remember this Fantastic Four story. Uh-huh. Uh, which did, I feel like, a fairly solid job explaining that aspect of time travel. The prime timeline aspect? Oh, the divergent, the, like, branching. Oh, okay. Where uh, they, they're talking to a, 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 their future selves about it. And uh, Ben Grimm's like, future Ben Grimm says, we don't really have to worry about it because... You're probably going to be our timeline unless we change enough stuff to divert our timeline and then it'll just split. So as long as we don't change that much stuff, it's fine. That's not how ta- I mean, has Ben Grimm never heard of the butterfly effect? Or seen the terrible Ashton Kutcher movie of the same name? But anyway, there is an insect buzzing around Emma's head and Hook interrupts her sad slash confusion to uh, kill it. But David's like, no, it's totally Mary Margaret. Which is funny because you know what this actually reminded me of? What? Not a time travel story, but The Fly. Help me, help me. Yeah. yeah. So, I guess the implication is that Mary Margaret didn't throw all of the dark fairy dust? She had like a pinch of dark fairy dust left. So, it turns out that Mary Margaret's an insect. We knew that. <laughs> We know what the situation is, but we don't really have any way to undo it. Right. So Mary Margaret used the fairy dust, the dark fairy dust, to turn herself into a fly so that she could fly away from the fire and not be immolated. But now she's a fly and doesn't know what to do to turn back into a real girl. She calls for help, which Hook sarcastically asks if anyone there knows bug language. And turns out the blue fairy does. Yep. Because she's an insect. Yep. But she flies in and she's like, hey, who the fuck are you people and what are you doing in my woods? And Emma's all like, I'm Leia. And uh, Blue Fairy says, that's clearly bullshit. But seeing as you're not a small child, I'm not going to punish you for lying. Oh. Wow. I went hard at the Blue Fairy. Yeah. And uh, Emma's like, can you help Snow? The Blue Fairy says... Anything that dark magic does, light magic can undo. And I'm like, then where the fuck were you the entire any first- Any other moment! Where were you at any other moment of any other episode? You know what would have been a good time to be, you know, to undo evil transformations? When everyone is being turned into goddamn flying monkeys. Also, this totally- Yeah, apparently fairy magic is light magic, so where was your ass when uh, we were fighting Zelina? I- uh... And, and, okay, so in the last season, the yes. big bad is... Correct. Who we see is more powerful than Zelina. Well, I mean, that's the escalation problem. But what makes this worse is that Blue kicked her ass. Yeah, Blue definitely could have taken down Zelina. I mean, Blue is a real problem for this show. She really, really is. There's no getting around it. And I appreciate that you've written yourself into a corner by creating this thing that can undo anything and is all-powerful, and now we're all like, why don't you use it all the time? And the response is, because then there would be no story. And the response to the response is, well, then you shouldn't have made her. It was irresponsible of you. She shouldn't exist. Yeah. Or, I know this probably wouldn't have worked out because once upon a time, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like exploring her more... Like, well, if she had an, an episode about her and about how, like, she has all of these really, really strict rules that power her magic. I wonder if that's what they were trying to do with Tinkerbell. Show us that there are fairy rules and that's why they can't just fix everything. It was not successful, but I can, right now I'm kind of appreciating that maybe that's what they meant to do with that. Hmm. It's weird, though, that we never get a blue fairy uh, backstory episode. I really like one. Me too. I've honestly developed some affection for the actress. Is that because she's Belle in The Descendants? I can't wait to talk about The Descendants. Oh, by the way, guys, it's a stretch goal on our Patreon, so if you want to hear us talk about The Descendants, which we're kind of itching to do, feel free to become patrons on our Patreon. It's live-action Disney AU fanfic. Kid-fic. Yeah, 
Oh god, and the songs are so bad. In the first one, they're less bad in the second one. The second one is way better. Like, weirdly way better. The second one is Confronting Your Privilege, the movie. Oh man, alright. Save it, save it for the Descendants podcast. So everyone's all happy because Mary Margaret's back and... Uh, and they don't know her well enough to feel anything but happy about that. Yeah, and Emma starts hugging her and Mary Margaret's like, dude, we hung out like once. I don't think we've even really met. Yeah. So you're being weird. So we come back from commercial to the next day when Snow and Red are saying goodbye again because, you know, they've both got separate bandit stuff to do. And we're back in the first season again. Uh, you know, Mary Margaret and David are having their talk thing, and this is going to lead into the troll encounter. And it's just the same thing, but Emma and Hook are kind of sitting in the background. Yeah, I mean, this is what Emma wants, right? To get to see her parents get together. Which, weird wish, Emma. Weird mm. wish. Actually, Emma brings up, wait, are they, are they not going to have the troll encounter? Because... Actually, Emma realizes, though, that when they have the troll encounter, it's going to be a problem because Snow no longer has the powder that she used to escape the troll encounter the first time. Yeah. So, you know, she just she just narrowly avoided not being born because her mother wasn't burned to death. And now it's going to happen again because her mother's going to get eaten by trolls. Also, looks like, yeah, that's bad. But also, this woman was supposed to die. This mysterious woman who we don't know as Maid Marion was supposed to die and you change that, and that can really mess things up. And I was like, oh, she's some random peasant woman. What are the chances that she'll be plot significant? Which, have you been watching the show, Emma? But anyway, she decides to go with a Back to the Future 3 solution. Since she was supposed to die and she can't have an effect on the timeline, they'll just bring her into the future, and then she'll effectively have died in this timeline. And they tell her this, you know, uh, you were supposed to die in this time. We're actually time travelers. You were supposed to die in this timeline, but uh, we saved you. But now we have to take you with us so you don't uh, change the timeline. And uh, Maid Marion says, this is one of my favorite exchanges in this show. Mar uh, Maid Marion says, uh, that's obviously bullshit. You're obviously crazy. I'm going to go home to my family. And Emma tells her, I'm afraid you we can't let you do that. And she says, what is this, a kidnapping? And Emma hits her over the head, knocking her out and is like, yep, sure is. <laughs> no, no, she says, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yes, is funny, even though kidnapping is not funny. Also, concussions are not funny, but. It's a pretty solid line. <laughs> anyway. Well, David comes up immediately after this and he's like, hey, why is that lady lying on the ground? And Emma said, she was tired. That's, that's creepy. Which, there is no way David did not see. He, like, walks up immediately after Emma hits her over the head. Maybe he has the reverse of Ava's power. He has the weakness that he can't see what's happening in clearance that he's in until he's on camera. Yeah, he can't see anything when he's off camera. But he's coming up because he realizes that Snow freaking picked his pocket and took the ring. Oh, so I guess she is going to go to trolls and then get eaten by them. Because that is how Bandit Snow rolls. Getting eaten by trolls. Yeah. No, picking David's pocket and stealing his ring. But Emma Emma at first is happy because it means, oh, they are going to have the thing with the trolls. That's where they, you know, started working together, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh, she doesn't have the fairy dust. Yep. So now she's like, well, I guess we got to save my parents one more time so that I can keep existing because I like existing. Do you, Emma? It seems more like you deal with existing. So at the Troll Bridge, it recreates the scenes from season one where the troll, and by recreates, I mean it's they're playing the same footage again. Yeah, it's it's the same scene again. They tricked me into liking a clip show, Max. I I feel so used right now, and not in like the good way. So uh, luckily, luckily Emma and Hook showing up is enough of a distraction for David to murder the same number of trolls, although not all the trolls. He murders a few trolls and then runs off with Snow. He murders a few trolls, thereby distracting them so that Snow can escape. But she realizes that he is essentially going to sacrifice himself for her and she is not having that. Instinctively, she grabs for the fairy dust to save him and there is no fairy dust. So it plays out the exact same way, except when she goes for the fairy dust, whoops, she doesn't have it. 
It's interesting that the trolls, when the trolls are talking about eating David now that they've got him pinned, and they say that royal blood is the sweetest of all. Would David have royal blood? Okay, that's just something you say to be intimidating, but no, David does not have royal blood. David does not have royal blood because he's not born a royal, so he doesn't have, like, noble blood. Also, I don't think it's royal blood that's sweet. I think it's royal meat that's tasty, and that's because royals are like the veal of humans. Mm. But David... Would not be because he was raised as a shepherd. Exactly. Now James... Would have. Yes. It just got me thinking about in Buffy... Got you thinking about what different bloods taste like? Well, in Buffy, there's a bit where Spike says that there's no blood that compares to Slayer blood. And I'm like... That's just something he says because he thinks he's the big bad. He did kill two Slayers. Whatever. But I was like, he probably could have made a whole bunch of money by bottling that. Or, uh, or, uh, Drusilla could have when she killed Kendra. Because Drusilla didn't even bother drinking Kendra's blood. That's a waste of good blood, Drusilla. Okay, that is not on brand for Drusilla or Spike. You know who would have done something like that? Angel. Angelus. Mr. Trick. Miss. Oh, yeah, no. That would totally be Mr. Trick's thing. I wonder if that's what he was planning to do when he had the... The Slayer Fest? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, uh, speaking of the Death Clock... Yes. Uh, we... I don't know if we mentioned, but uh, Maid Marian is not white... Uh, yes, that's that's accurate. So, death clock, although... Okay, so has the death clock gone off at this point or not? Okay, well, I mean, I'm going to censor this part. Emma left her unconscious in the clearing and... Okay, Maid Marian's death clock is by far the most complicated thing on this show. By far? Okay, maybe not by far. But Wait, are, you, are you arguing that the death clock may not have gone off because the plot is so stupid that you refuse to accept it? Or because it's an obvious retcon, and when something is retconned, did the death clock go off at the moment that the retcon says it went off, or does it go off at the moment the retcon was instituted? Yeah, I think the re- I, I think that the death clock for her might not actually end up going off until Because I feel like the retcon is what kills her. I don't feel like she's dead in this episode. Okay, this is going to be a weird conversation to believe. Maid Marion may or may not be dead. She's Schrodinger's Marion. Schrodinger's maid? Schrodinger's maid. Schrodinger's maid. Anyway, back to the trolls. So Snow grabs a handful of dirt off the ground and bluffs them by saying, Up, oh, this is fairy dust, y'all. A dark fairy dust. And if I throw it at you, you're going to be turned into bugs. And they're like, oh shit, we better get out of here. Okay, so this is this is a really good argument for the timeline wants to correct itself. Because there's no way that this bluff should have worked. The reason it worked is because it's close enough to what happened in the prime timeline that the timeline wants to correct itself. At first, I had a big. The first time I watched rewatched this, I had a big issue with this because I'm like, okay, well, those trolls are alive because we we remember Mary Margaret turned them into bugs, but did not kill them because Mary Margaret does not uh, does not kill, but David stepped on them. That is correct. So I'm like, these trolls shouldn't be alive in this timeline. Oh, Max, but, trolls don't affect the timeline. Well, luckily, it will turn out that uh, Regina took care of this. Right, and again, that's part of the timeline wants to correct itself. I was thinking Regina is apparently like the cleaners from Charmed. Who just show up and make the timeline right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So they leave and it looks like their relationship is on track again. Yeah, in fact, they they leave and David is going back to his wedding and Hook is upset for a second, but Emma tells him, no, no, that's how it happened in the prime timeline. They'll, don't worry, they get back together. Because they're like that. They find each other. Which just goes to show, Emma, seriously, you could have done nothing and everything would have been fine. Yeah. And she repeats the same thing where uh, he's like, you're not a jewelry tip. And she's like, well, I am not like other girls, but let's see how it fits. And last time it was comparing and contrasting creepily to her date with Dr. Whale, where she was talking about how many babies she wanted on the first date. That was really creepy. But no, she tries on the ring, so David sees her with the ring, and of course that's the moment he falls in love with her. And Hook's like, this must be so cool for you, not everyone gets a chance to see their parents falling in love. 
I would argue no one does. Well, unless your parents had like a one night stand and then they meet up later because of you and you get to watch that. But like... (laughs) Okay, okay, I guess not no one. But... Having Mary Margaret and David convince Emma that she needs to open herself up to love is just... Wait, wait. Emma did get to see her parents fall in love because she was there when the curse broke. Yeah, she's got to see it two different times. Creepy. No one wants to watch that. Yeah. And by that, I mean David and Mary Margaret. She actually walked in on them having sex. We Uh, talked about that two weeks ago. Yeah. Speaking of Back to the Future, she opens the book, which, as we are aware, was blank after she messed up the timeline. But now the terrible illustrations are back. The terrible Photoshop is back. They're really bad. Also, uh, she's looking at David and Mary Margaret's wedding, and the way the weird Photoshop thing is done... Mary Margaret looks fucking miserable in that illustration. Well, that's because it's the moment where Regina bursts through the doors. I mean, she is miserable because the woman whose life she ruined is breaking up her wedding. So, uh, back in Regina's castle, she turned the trolls into bugs and then she steps on them. Because, you know, they failed to kill Snow White. That's exactly the same way David killed them. David is just as evil as Regina. I mean, I was going to say the timeline is correcting itself, but also, yeah, David is equally as evil as Regina. So she has a sexy conversation with one of her stupid uh, helmet guards where she grabs him by the face and she's like, you're going to get her if it's the last thing you do. So this guy's super fucking dead. Yeah, definitely. So then Emma, Hook, and an unconscious Maid Marian show up at Rumpel's castle. And Maid Marian has been unconscious for hours at this point. And, okay, I actually really, really appreciate this scene. You do? I do! Because I, I, we'll talk about it in a minute, but something really important happens in this scene. Anyway, so Rumble has done what he said he would do last episode. He has put the magic into the wand so that they can open the portal. The problem is the portal can only be opened by the person who went through it, and Emma doesn't have magic. Does she? Right? Because remember, two weeks ago, she lied about not having magic anymore. Yeah. It's all Bobby Drake after uh, House of M, where he thought he lost his powers, but it turns out it was just psychosomatic. And then Rumpel's like, also, this time travel stuff is just way too dangerous, so I'm going to lock you in my secret dark magic vault and forget about you. So he bamfs Emma, Hook, and Maid Marion to his secret vault. Emma is still holding the wand, which seems like an oversight on his part. Well, I mean, he meant to put it back in there anyway. He can just really easily take it from her skeleton, like, whenever he needs it next. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because they're going to be there for, like, three days before they starve to death. Dark. Super, super dark. Hook picks up a random vase, which might be important later. It's an urn. An urn. He picks up a random urn. Urn vase, tomato, tomato. Those things are not interchangeable, my friend. Well, decorating-wise, they serve the same general purpose. No, one of them has a dead person in it. You can put dead people on lots of things. Anyway, Hook and Emma have their, like, dramatic conversation about the fact that Emma's going to leave because she's running away again and all that nonsense. And And Hook tells her that she still has magic because she's special and he knows that she was lying about it because she wanted an excuse to... We know she's not going to go back to New York. I mean, the show would be over if she went back to New York and this show can never die. I don't know, maybe maybe they'd pull a glee. And, oh, just keep going with half of the show in New York and half of the show in Storybrooke? Yeah. I'd kind of be down with that. Oh, you know Grimm? Like, what if the show was half grim, where it's it's a gritty show that takes place in New York, and it turns out there are fairy tale characters in New York, and Emma has to, like, do detective work for them, and then half of the show is in Storybrooke doing all of the Storybrooke nonsense. Is that the plot of Grimm? Isn't it? I've never watched it. I saw part of the first episode, and I was like, I really can't get into this. Okay, it's so weird that we've never watched Grimm, because Grimm came out the same season as Once Upon a Time, and it's one of those things where it's like, they're the same show-ish. 
and they came out at the same time, but we only watched Once Upon a Time, which is weird both because you would think we would have at least, you would think that as much as we talk about Once Upon a Time, we would have at least checked in on Grimm to see what was going on. And also, unlike Once Upon a Time, Grimm actually is shot in our beloved town of Portland. Yeah, you see people with like production stuff on their cars, like not infrequently. Yeah, yeah. You know what show I do like that's shot in Portland? Or was shot in Portland? Uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that show where people steal stuff. Leverage. Thank you. That show where people steal stuff. Yes. Is that an inaccurate summation of Leverage? It's simplistic. Leverage. Leverage is an amazing show. We should do a Leverage podcast. Was it shot in Portland the whole time? It was shot in Portland the whole time. And for the first few seasons, despite the fact that it was shot in Portland, it took place in Boston. Uh, and then in the last season, they moved to Portland. Um, a, so they'd have to stop paying for establishing shots? Or? I, I have no idea. I mean, I know in Universe Why, I don't know what the production reasons were behind saying they'd moved to Portland. I mean... They celebrated their move to Portland by very prominently showing the characters eating voodoo donuts in the first episode of season five. Also, uh, excuse me, they should be eating Blue Star. Well, but they're they're new to Portland. They uh, haven't been in Portland long enough to know that Blue Star is the superior donut. Not that we're smack talking voodoo. People like Voodoo's good for what it is, which is a novelty donut. Yeah, people like to smack talk voodoo. Voodoo's not bad it's just it's trying it's not it's, trying it's to be yes it's it's gimmicky also the first episode of season five deals with stealing the spruce goose which is awesome because that actually is just outside of portland we should go see that we should it's weird that we never have it's like an hour away in the show they make it seem like it's like 10 minutes away but you have to drive for like an hour to get there it's half a day's ride wait what were we talking about oh how emma's not going to go back to new york yeah, because watching her mother die taught her the importance of family. And... No, that makes sense. It's a good moment, especially because they've been leaning so heavily on the whole Emma rejects fairy tale stuff. It's a moment where Emma's like, you know what? Fuck it. The universe wants me to be the savior. I'll be the goddamn savior. Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna save. Yeah, and she references Neil's line about uh, you don't have a home until you miss it. Which, okay, I mean... No, I mean, that makes sense. No, I, you know what, I do know that feeling. Like, you know when you, when you're in a place that you haven't lived for a very long time, but then the first time you leave it, and then you realize how relieved you are to be going home, and that's when you know that place is really your home? Hmm. Yeah, that feeling. But, uh, coming to terms with this has, uh... Awakened something in Emma? Yeah, her magic starts firing up and the wand starts doing the... This is the light magic uh, effect I was talking about, the kind of white light thing. Yeah, the wand starts glowing with the white light of light magic and Emma opens the portal to the future. Ridiculously easily. It's it's point and click magic. Well, yeah, they got a lot to wrap up in the next ten minutes, so, you know. Hook scoops up the unconscious Maid Marian and immediately jumps into the portal. And Rumpel bamps in to get his wand back and sees what's going on. And, okay, this is why I'm really happy for this scene. Because there are two different things going on in this episode that would bother me if they weren't dealt with. And this scene deals with both of them. One is Rumpel having curiosity about what is happening in the future. He wants to know, okay, what happened with Neil? Because you're not telling me everything. And so she tells him, she tells him that he finds Neil, but... Then Neil dies, and it was tragic, and she gets all torn up because she loved Neil too, and she tells him that. And also, in the scuffle, he hangs on to the wand. So the question, why don't they just travel back in time to fix everything forever, is nicely sidestepped. Emma talks about how Neil died a hero, and because Rumpel's like, now that I know that he died, I can do something to change it. And she's like, no, Neil died a hero. You need to not interfere with that. You need to forget everything I told you. And Rumpel has a forgetting potion, which he brewed up because he knows that knowing even a little bit about the past will screw him up. Since he knows that he successfully reunites with Neil, he doesn't want to get into his own head and mess up 
and not do the right thing. So he... Tosses Emma through the portal, drinks the forgetting potion, and is like, what the hell am I doing in this vault? Yes. And he has the wand. So, yeah. Not a thing we have to deal with. So... And then we see Hook and Emma being spit out of the portal. And made Marion. And made Marion. And the phone is ringing. The phone was ringing when they got sucked into the portal. So this is so that we know that in storybook time, it's been a split second. And Emma's really excited to go see her family, I guess. And she just leaves. She runs out leaving Hook with the unconscious made Marion in this barn. Like, it had to happen like that so that the revealing reveal could happen. But poor Hook. Poor Hook. He loves Emma so much and has done so much to, like, get her home. And she's like, yay, I'm home. Bye. I'm gonna go be with my real family now. So she runs in and she hugs them and she's like, I'm not going to New York. I had a little adventure that caused me to change my mind about everything. So we're staying here. I mean, why question that? It's what they all want. Henry's very excited to be staying. And of course, David and Mary Margaret are happy that, you know, their second favorite child is staying Good, you can babysit now. So then they look at the book, and Emma and Hook's adventure is in the book. Yeah, and Mary Margaret says, now you're really one. She says, now you're officially one of us. And it's like, oh, barf. Gross, that means you really didn't think of her as your daughter before now. And she was in the book, as a baby. Like, oh, yeah, that's Because she went to a ball. Anyway. Yeah, she, she practiced traditional femininity, so now she's really a princess. Charming's like, hey, everyone, stop doing what you're doing and look at me. Okay, I was equally annoyed at this, but then I had to remind myself, this party is technically Neil's christening. It is okay for them to be the center of attention at this party. Yeah, I did kind of forget that everyone just wasn't like, (laughs) that everyone wasn't just at the diner for no reason. Right. I mean, technically this is their party. And like I said, it's for Neil's christening. So they announce his name, which is Neil. Yep. Prince Neil. Hey, Emma, it's not awkward that your little brother is named after the dude who got you teen pregnant, is it? Also, his name is Prince Neil, which sounds like a command. Yeah. Uh, Aurora is there, and I'm like, didn't she just have a baby and stop being a flying monkey? No one Why cares. Why is she here? No one cares about Aurora's baby, apparently. <laughs> Emma goes to have more conclusions with Hook. And she clarifies that she talked to Gold, and apparently everything's cool. Like, the little addition to the book aside, nothing has really changed. And apparently Hook was too drunk to remember anything. Because he would have looked for the woman who kissed the way she does. Okay, I thought that was really sweet. I did too. Did my tone not convey that? (laughs) Your tone did not convey that. No, but he's he knows that he was blackout drunk that night because if he hadn't been blackout drunk, if he had remembered Emma, he would never have stopped looking for her. That's super sweet. Or creepy considering he's a pirate. I, I think I think as far as alcoholic confessions of love go, that one's really romantic. And then he tells her the story of how he found her, which is... This is just cramming plot holes closed at the end of the season. Uh, this one... Okay, this isn't a plot hole that really needed to be crammed closed. And also, it's stupid, because the answer is, I just drove the ship really fast, and so we escaped the curse. That's not how the curse works. A different ship, because we were wondering how he got to New York, because, you know... All portals were closed. But apparently he apparently he sold his ship for a magic bean. And she's like, magic beans are hard to get. And he's like, yeah, but if you have a ship, apparently not. Like, So he sold to Jolly Roger to get a magic bean. And then he, I guess, sailed a different ship really fast into the portal. No, 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 no. He sailed the ship really fast to escape the... The curse. The curse. The circumference of the curse. Once he escapes the curse, he's still in the Enchanted Forest, so he still had to get to the world without magic. So he sold the Jolly Roger to get a bean to get to her. Yep, that's a whole lot of plot holes pushed closed real fast at the end of the season. Kind of unnecessarily. Oh, speaking of just jamming plot holes closed, or like just wrapping up stories really quickly that you don't need to wrap up. uh, Belle and Mr. Gold get married in the woods by Archie? Dr. Hopper presides over their wedding. There's no one else there. Like, that's weird. Why are you doing that? Have a real wedding. Also, don't they need witnesses? Her father's there. Oh, right. Belle's father is there witnessing. Yeah, you know, the guy you want at your wedding is the one who tried to stop you from marrying your boyfriend by erasing your mind. 
Also, I love how you're like, wait, what about the, the legal aspects of marriage? Like there's any sort of law in Storybrooke. True. Also, just just a thing because it's been in this season a lot. How does everyone in this show not have brain damage? Do you know how much self-induced amnesia every one of these characters has? I mean, technically that is brain damage. But, like, it really seems like there sh- should be something, some consequence for mi- for wiping your mind constantly. It seems like that's a trope in fiction that comes up not infrequently. I'm looking at you, uh, McGucket. Uh, Old man McGucket, yeah. A witch did it. A witch stopped them from having consequences from constant brainwashing? Yes. Anyway, they get married. Rumbell shippers rejoice. Yeah. yeah. For now. Uh, so we switch from the idyllic, I suppose, scene of uh, Rumble and Bell getting married uh, to everyone having happy family times in the diner. Yeah, it's one of those moments where where everybody is happy and nothing bad is ever going to happen to set up next season. Anyway, so basically we're going to cut between all the happy couples now. We're going to cut between... David and Mary Margaret snuggling their baby, Emma and Hook making out, and Regina and... Uh, Regina and Robin and the world's most adorable child actor. Yes. And surely everything is going to be fine for all of these people, especially the ones who most deserve it. By who I mean, by which I mean Regina. Yeah. If she hadn't killed those trolls, different timeline. Regina definitely deserves happiness, you guys. And I'm sure that her happiness with Robin is going to be real and lasting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Certainly certainly won't be a whole bunch of contrived bullshit. <sighs> anyway, we're reminded of we're of all of the reasons that that Belle and Rumple are not actually going to be happy, and by all the reasons I mean the one reason. Yeah, cuz after we have all of the happy family stuff, we have a flashback to Rumple hiding the real dagger from Belle. Now, it's supposed to be an ironic juxtaposition between between Rumple hiding the dagger and Belle declaring her love, which she says, sometimes the best books have the dustiest jackets and the best teacups are the ones that are chipped. I don't find this ironic at all because Belle is being stupid. <laughs> teacups that are chipped are trash they are broken and you should not keep trying to fix them every time it comes up it makes me more angry every time because it's like accidentally a perfect metaphor for their relationship like bell and rumbles bell and rumples relationship is this trap that women fall into where it's like it's two different traps it's i can change him and i've put all this effort in i owe it to the relationship to keep trying Neither of those things are true. She's not going to fix him, and she's not going to fix the stupid chipped cup. That is all. So, Regina and Robin are heading towards Granny's. You know, they let Roland go in ahead of them. They come in. They're making out. They're happy. Absolutely nothing is going to ruin this moment. And Emma decides this is a good moment to introduce Maid Marian to Regina, because... Regina is no longer the evil queen, so she should probably get used to that. Yeah, Maid Marian understandably freaks out when Regina comes in because she's like, it's the evil queen, she's going to execute me. And Emma's like... Yeah, in Maid Marian's timeline, that woman was going to kill her like 10 minutes ago. But Emma's like, don't worry, we're all cool with her now. I mean, she did kill you in the original timeline, but that's the original timeline. Let bygones be bygones. Okay, we have to talk about this a little bit here. Okay, are you, do you mean we need to talk about the fact that this is... Right. The side eye makes sense, right? Because, like... For her to be nervous about meeting Regina because she's afraid Regina's going to see through the facade? Yeah. Yeah, that, to- that totally makes sense. It all makes perfect sense that she would not want to deal with Regina right now. What about the scene with Robin? Because Robin sees her and she's like, and he's like, oh my God, Marion. We've been saying Marion the whole episode, but this is where we find out. And it is a legitimate twist. If you don't remember that this is the actress from season two. You saw her for a second. This is a good twist. It's well done. And she sees 
Robin and says Robin and she sees Roland and says Roland. So Yeah, this is bullshit. This is a bullshit retcon. But Regina turns slowly to Emma, her head, you know, twisting around. She's like, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Regina, that is how you steal someone's happiness. Dang. I'm just saying, Emma's really good at it. So, Regina's pissed at Emma. Normally, I'm really, really on Regina's side, but... How dare you stop me from killing someone isn't really a good moral high ground place. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Regina does not have the high ground here, unfortunately. And then she says the the beautiful final, just hope you didn't bring anything else back. So that we can go back to the the glyph. So that we can see that urn that Hook was playing with. Turns out it got sucked through too. And it spills out a blue liquid which fills the glyph and then forms itself into the image of Elsa. Elsa of Arendelle. Elsa of the very, very high-grossing Frozen movie. And the very, very annoying clip in front of Coco. Did you hear they're taking that out? They are. They are. People complained about it that much? Yes. I didn't actually think it was that bad. It, it wasn't just was... as bad as I was led to expect it would be. I was kind of disappointed it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was just really inappropriate. But hold on to your butts, everyone. Next season, we're going to fight Elsa. Ah, I'm actually really excited about this. Since the day we started this podcast, I've been excited to talk about the Frozen season. The Frozen season is one of the very... Like, how much I love the Frozen season, I feel like it's probably... One of the first conversations that you and I had about Once Upon a Time when we were first meeting each other. Yeah, yeah. And I know we've been kind of dithering this whole episode because let's be clear, this was kind of a hard episode to talk about. Because it was all clips? They tricked me into liking a clip show, Max! But this was really, this was a really strong season closer. We had legitimate twists. Yeah, no, this was really good. Yeah, so... Uh, and super jazzed for next season. Yeah, luckily, since we're not doing this in real time, you guys don't have to wait a whole summer. We can just start writing on Frozen. And this this next season is, I think, conceptually the int- the most interesting plot. Oh, that... I'm so excited. Oh, well, we'll we'll wait till next week. So, uh, until then, if you like the show, you can help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you have questions or comments, you can... Contact us at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or on Twitter at ilovetvzines. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. If you would like to donate to our Patreon or listen to past episodes, you can do it at our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke.